going through to look for a new job, interviews with different restaurants, and it's quite hard when you go there and you say, you know, well, you need to transfer my visa for me to start. So that was always a tough topic because of the current situation, you know. Nobody had the money to spend, I think it was about $5,000 to transfer a 457. Yeah, it was, it was tricky. I tried every day, I was on calls, I was going in for interviews, trying to do trials, and as good as they went, it all came down to, uh, sorry, you know, we can't take on your visa right now. This week on Dirty Linen, we are talking about staffing. When I started the podcast some months ago, I don't know, was it was it a month ago? Was it last week? Was it five years ago? I really don't understand how time works in 2020. But anyway, when I started the podcast, it was the aim was to discuss issues in hospitality and stick to a topic for a week. As it turned out, the Melbourne lockdown really uh, yeah, ran away with the show and it just seemed important to talk to people about what was going on. It's now really thrilling to feel things just switch up a little bit. Melbourne is reopening. Uh, we're feeling a little bit more optimistic. There are still lots of issues to work through and things are going to be tough for a long time. But it does feel like this podcast can lean back into issues and something that's coming up for so many people is staffing. I want to tackle this issue from lots of different directions. Uh, hopefully you've heard me chat to Chantal Defraga, who owns three pubs and is finding it super hard to find staff to uh, to help her open them as much as she wants to. Today I am chatting to someone who's got a very different perspective on the situation. His name is Aidan Robinson. He is a pastry chef and he was working at Dinner by Heston when it closed. Uh, he has battled his way through the pandemic and I'm really thrilled to have him on the show today at a time where things are looking a little bit more promising. Welcome Aidan, it's so lovely to have you on the show. Hi, Danny. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to you. We've been in touch a little bit through the pandemic, and I was just skimming back through our messages, and it's really been a bit yeah. of a roller coaster, hasn't it? Sure has. <laughs> <laughs> set set the scene for us. You were working at Dinner by Heston, which mm. unfortunately closed, and uh, I guess things must have been a little bit rocky there for a while. But set, set the scene for us. Um, tell us about, you know, tell us when you arrived in Australia, what circumstances you arrived under, and uh, let us know what it was like to be at Dinner by Heston. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, originally from Manchester, <clears throat> so English guy, uh, moved to Australia in 2017 of June, and that was to work at Dinner by Heston. I worked for them for four years in London in Knightsbridge and then actually did end up leaving London dinner because I was planning to move to Copenhagen just just through holidays and having a few friends there and just loving the the hospitality scene there was incredible I think I went four times in one year so um yeah after four years at dinner in London I was like oh you know it's time for a change so that was the plan and then um I was I was messaged by Ashley Palmer Watts, who was the chef, chef director, executive chef of the entire group of Fat Duck and Dinner by Heston, and obviously eventually moved here to Melbourne instead of going to Copenhagen. So you, you were brought out here as a sponsored worker, weren't you? So I was, I was brought out here on a working holiday visa with the intentions of being sponsored as soon as I arrived, which was the case. But as we all know, with these visas, it takes a very long time to be approved. I think I got my sponsorship approved a year later. 
So that was in 2018 when that would have been approved. Okay. And what was it like when you arrived? Like, tell, set the scene for us. What was it like to be at, at dinner by Heston in Melbourne? How did it compare to the Knightsbridge uh, one? Well, obviously being in London, I was like, oh, fantastic. Grass is much greener here. Like, I was, like, looked on the maps, like, where I'd be working just by the Yarra River. I was like, oh, wow, that's going to be fantastic, you know. Compared to living in London in a tiny apartment, I thought, this is going to be great. And it was. Melbourne was, I'm still in love with Melbourne to this day, you know. Um, and dinner was a very good opportunity to come and move here. I do have family here in Sydney and Melbourne, so that also helped set, settle me in in the first few months of moving here because it was quite a big move. Yeah, it's the other side of the world, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, dinner was very good stepping stones and yeah, I was there till the closure, which is unfortunate, but learned a lot, loved it. But obviously, when I moved here, I also knew a few people that was already working at the restaurant that I'd worked with prior in London. So that was also a very big help in settling into this new lifestyle. Yeah. It, could could you feel it as a, as a staff member that the restaurant was on shaky ground? Oh, well, when I first moved there, it was fine. It was only the end of 2019 that we started, you know, having change, you know, we changed from, you know, we just used to be a full a la carte restaurant that, changed to doing tasting menus to try and change the working hours and things like that, which was working. But yeah, we wasn't really aware of obviously what was happening. So it was unfortunate. So was it a shock to you when it was like, oh guys, like this is all we're going to be winding up? Absolutely. And it wasn't even much of notice, to be honest. We got a week's notice. Our last day was on Valentine's Day. You know, we thought we was doing all the right things to stay open and, you know, keep moving forward. And then, you know, yeah, it really hit us hard. It definitely hit me hard. You're so vulnerable, aren't you? I mean, you just, you've moved, you've moved your life here. You've, um, you've got a, you're on a certain visa class, which means that you're tied as a sponsored worker, you're tied to that employer. You had a week's notice. I mean, you, that's, you really must have felt stranded. Absolutely. It was, it was very hard. And if I didn't have my family and my partner here, then God knows what I would have done. I probably would have had to go home. At, at that time, like, yeah, middle of Feb, I mean, we'd heard of the pandemic. It hadn't really hit here. But, yeah. I feel like I've been in lockdown since Valentine's Day, personally. Sure. Absolutely. Because after, after that closing, um, I was pretty much on my own. There was no support about any visa, um, you know, support, what I needed to do. And obviously moving here as well, I've never had to have a visa before. So also that is a big stress in itself because you actually, I had no idea, you know, how hard or how expensive it all is. And to be honest, if I knew the stress that I would have gone through, I probably would have stayed in London at the time. But obviously now I'm here and everything's happening and, you know, it's amazing now. Well, not amazing with what's going on right now, but you know what I mean, right? It's, that's that really surprises like me. A good opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, Crown like Dinner by Heston was an in-house restaurant. Like you know, Crown was heavily involved in it in bringing the restaurant here in the first place. I'm really quite shocked to know that they just like it was just like okay, see you guys. We're closing the doors. That's it. Good luck. Or perhaps not even good luck. It was just like sorry, you don't have a job anymore. That's honestly how it was. And we're still in touch with the liquidators to try and get stuff that's owed to us. So it's a very sticky situation, unfortunately. But obviously, 
that was in February, and then we've had COVID since then, so things got a lot more worse. <laughs> but I've tried to forget about it and move on, and you know, that's what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, but you still owed your entitlements. Yes, that's nothing to do with the the back pay of overtime. This is my annual leave, my time in lieu. I worked for the company for six years. Yes, but because because I'm on a visa. Because I'm on a skilled visa and I'm not a citizen or a PR, I'm not entitled to any of those requirements. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I think you are entitled. You've been employed here. Like, um, I think you are entitled. I mean, you're employed by the Australian arm of the company, right? You're here under Australian conditions. You're definitely entitled to those things. We can take this offline and I can put you in touch with a lawyer, Aidan, because that's outrageous. Um, you're definitely entitled to that. And I'm really I'm really shocked. And I'm really shocked that um, Crown is now reopening its restaurants. And, I mean, do you, do, were you employed by Crown or by Dinner by Heston? Um, by Crown, I believe. Again, that's what's just so complicated, you know? Like, you try and find out all this information and then you just get stuck at a brick wall because no one will tell you anything or there's no support. So, yeah, it was a very hard time. That is absolute, absolute crap. I haven't sworn on this podcast yet, but I'm on the verge of it. <laughs> at least give me my annual leave, you know? I cannot believe that you've been here. Yeah, no job here in a pandemic. No, not, not entitled to any government support, and they're holding out on your annual leave. That's disgusting. It is, and I was very angry. Oh, I'm really angry too. Um, all right, deep breath. <laughs> but dinner was amazing. Beautiful, beautiful restaurant. I know, deep breath indeed. <laughs> just feels so weird talking about it all again, you know, because obviously I've just swept it under the under the carpet and moved on with my life, you know. But you've got to imagine that that's what people are, are counting on, that, you, that you, you put it in the too hard basket, you feel like you don't have full rights as a, as a non-citizen here and that you're just in a position where what are you going to do? You've got to just put one foot in front of the other and, and I guess move on. But that is that is really, really not okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty grossed out by that. And it wasn't just... Wasn't wasn't just me in that situation either, you know. Lots of friends and lots of colleagues were in my same position, and not a lot of them are here now, you know. A lot of them had to go home. And that was a hard time for us all, you know. Saying bye to it wasn't just friends; it was family, you know. We worked together sixty plus hours a week, you know, for three three years for me. So mm. yeah, it was hard. I mean, there was uh, dinner by Heston was in the news through that period, as many restaurants were, and as was you know culturally common in restaurants that people were doing over the hours you weren't paid for all those hours I mean that was a culture that I assume you were brought up in yeah absolutely I've been been a chef since I was 15 started my apprenticeship as 15 and moved to Devon to work in a Michelin star restaurant and did that for three years and that's when I moved to London so I'm used to it that's what I enjoyed that's what I thrived in you know so I guess it's like it, it's it's all right if you feel like, well, I mean, not to put words into your mouth, but I, I've spoken to a lot of chefs and a lot of people say, you know, you can under, you feel okay doing over the hours when you feel like you're learning and you're being respected and that you're going to be basically, you know, in basically looked after. And I just feel like you're, you were doing your side of the bargain and they weren't. Yeah. Bittersweet. Mm. All right. Well, let's let's move past Valentine's Day. Not not a not a very uh, delightful day for you this year. And um, so you're thrown out of the restaurant onto your ass. 
And, you know, I guess middle of Feb, we knew there was a pandemic, but it hadn't really hit here. I, I'm sure at, at Crown, because of, you know, relying on so many customers from, from China, I'm sure business had already tanked in all the Crown restaurants. Um, but, you know, it, people were still going about their lives to, you know, to a, more or less in Melbourne. Um how, what did you think? Like, what was what were you thinking in in the days and weeks after dinner closed? Um, yeah, so going back to February, so I don't think when did it st- strike us? I think it wasn't until March, I believe. Yeah, it's the middle of March. So obviously, yeah. I had well the end of February to you know find a new job, find a job that would take on my visa because that's what I found out. You know, I couldn't just work for anybody and start the week after. It had to be. Um, they had to transfer my 457 sponsorship from dinner. Um, and obviously trying to sort that out, there was nobody to actually talk to at dinner because, you know, everybody was in my position from management to HR, you know. They were all out of a job too and they had no no um, database to help or... And then Crown was, you know, Crown. <laughs> um, so obviously I started doing interviews um, at, quite a few restaurants here in Melbourne, you know, because my plan was to stay here. I have my partner here, I have, you know, this is home for me now. So, um, yes, going through to look for a new job, interviews with different restaurants and, you know, it's quite hard when you go there and you say, you know, well, you need to transfer my visa for me to start. So that was always a tough topic because of the current situation, you know, nobody had the money to spend, I think it was about $5,000 to transfer a 457. So, yeah, it was, it was tricky. And I must have had a... It's a lot for a restaurant to take on. It is, absolutely. Especially during the, the situation that they, we were all in. And that was hard because it was pretty much impossible. You know, I tried every day. I was on calls. I was going in for interviews, trying to do trials. And as good as they went, it all came down to, yeah, sorry, you know, we can't take on your visa right now. So... Yeah, it was very hard. Why would people bring you in for a trial if, when they already knew that there was the visa situation? <sighs> Good question. <laughs> I have no idea. I guess just to see how they could help if they could. Uh, okay. So that wasn't a thing and then not long after that, restaurants closed. During that time, I was also in the middle of applying for a partner visa. So because I had all that free time and I really needed to focus on getting that application sent because I did it all myself. I couldn't afford to pay for a lawyer to do it for me or an immigration agent because that's what happened prior for my sponsorship through dinner. Um, so, yeah, just really focusing on getting that application, you know, 10 out of 10, perfect. That took a lot of work. And that was also trying to decide, like, oh, have I got a job next week or have I not? And obviously that never that never happened. So, what was the situation with your relationship? Was it? I mean, was that something? Was that an easy decision, or did that put pressure on your relationship? Was it just something that you talked about together that you decided, you know, that was the only way forward? Um, a bit of both, really. Like, yeah, I was lucky to meet my partner in two thousand and nineteen. So it's been two years in January coming up. Um, if it wasn't for him, I would be in a very difficult situation right now he's been a very very good support so it was very nice to have him here and yeah I couldn't have done this without him or without my family here either so 
but it was definitely always something that we had on the cards, you know. We just definitely pushed it forward. <laughs> just to ensure me to be able to stay here, you know. I didn't want to go back home. Well, this is home. This is home, you know. Yes, absolutely. And when the government when the government tries to tell you, Oh, we can't support you, you know, go back home, that's you know, that really that really hurt. Yeah, I, th I mean, it hurt me and I wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even about me and it really hurt me. I know, I've only been here for three years, but... Well, you've been living here, you've been contributing, you've been paying taxes. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that really, really hit us hard. Not just me, you know, family and friends and friends that have had to leave. Not because they wanted to, because they had to. But luckily, I had a good network of support here and... Thankfully, got through it. <laughs> we can talk about that soon. <laughs> sure. Well, let's talk about the other things that you did. So you put your partner visa in and that's a lot of paperwork, isn't it? And it's it's quite stressful because you feel like you could be tripped up at, at any point with those forms. Absolutely. And I, I kept getting so many messages saying, oh, don't do it yourself. You really need to go to an immigration migrant. I was like, oh, you know, I'd love to, but I've not got another $10,000 to spend on that. <laughs> The visa application itself is very expensive and, you know, I was always worried about that, you know, going through myself, but, you know, had to make it work. But I was always trying to do the best thing because we was told, obviously, when dinner closed that I would have a letter about my sponsorship being cancelled, but obviously that never happened, so I was always worried, like, you know, what do I need to do? I always say, and there's a few of my friends that say the same, um, we just wish there was a place in Melbourne or around Australia where you could just go and just get some support about a visa because there's nowhere that does that. Just some free support like, oh, I'm on this visa, this has happened, tell me what I need to do because it's just such a guessing game and it's not a cheap guessing game because I applied for a visitor visa after I applied for the partner visa just to make myself lawful and I just wanted to do the right thing, you know. So it's actually like the obligation of your employer when they cancel your employment is that they do have to write to um, to immigration to advise them of the situation and as far as you know, they never did that. As far as I know, they never did that. Because and what happens once they do that is that you've then got 60 days to leave the country. So you're basically on, you're standing on the edge of a cliff and they're the ones that can push you over. It is I can't, I'm, I'm sorry to go back to my outrage about your previous employment, but that is absolutely disgraceful. Where they're one of the biggest hospitality employers in the country, they're about to open a, another um, casino in Sydney. I'm, I'm so mad about this. I mean, this kind of, it's such an absolute mess. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I started trying to assist you guys, because as you say, like, it is an absolute, it is an absolute tangle. It's so opaque. And when you're stressed, when you're stressed out, you're unemployed, you've got no money coming in and you've, and someone else has got, someone else has your money that you're entitled to and they're not giving it to you and they're not, you can't contact them. It's an absolute disgrace. It was, it was very scary. It's so bad. Aiden, I'm so outraged for you. It's so terrible. All right. Okay. Anyway, but you can... So in amongst all of this stress, and and I can see it's like you apply for this visa, you apply for that that visa. It's like you're clutching you're clutching at straws, right? It's and everything's so hard to grasp. And we're in a pandemic; it's really scary. Melbourne is just like up and down and up and down, so bad. Anyway, in amongst all this, 
you start a beautiful, positive, delightful business that showcases your skills. So tell us about that. Absolutely. And to be honest, this is quite a long story as well. So, <laughs> um, well, obviously, you know, I couldn't find a job. I've applied for the visa, so I felt like I had a little bit of security having applied for that visa. Um, my partner and I was at home during the isolation, the lockdown. Um, and obviously being a pastry chef, you know, started baking a few things just for me, myself and my partner or a few family members that wanted something. Um, and yeah, well, I live in a building that has a pretty good community. We have a WhatsApp group. Um, one of the neighbors created this during the lockdown for, you know, any support, anybody in need for elderly, you know, if somebody's going to the market, they can get them a cabbage or some chicken. Um, and just one day I was like, oh, I should just introduce myself, you know, pastry chef, you know, Michelin star, hatted, you know, trained. Um, if you're looking for a celebration cake, because I had a lot of requests like, oh, I've got a birthday and, you know, can't get a cake anywhere. This is just people in the building, right? And that support was amazing. After that, when I posted on the WhatsApp group and just flooded with messages like, oh, my God, amazing. We would love to support you and because I've explained about the dinner situation, you know, just to give them a bit of back background information about me. And, yeah, the support was, you know, it blew me away, to be honest. So that was just in my building to start with. Um, just baking a few tarts and cakes for people that had a birthday. So that was really well. And uh, one day I get a message from uh, this lovely lady on level 10, uh, Nadia, she's called. And she she inquired about, you know, this particular birthday cake that she needed for a friend. 70th birthday, I believe it was. Um, yeah, great, you know, talk about that. And then the day I came to deliver it to her, she was, you know, kindly asked me. It was quite a big cake as well. Oh, how do I go about portioning this? I was like, oh, you know, I'd love to come up and do that for you, you know, just given that service, you know, thinking it was upstairs in my building. Well, uh, actually, this lady is um, an economist for Harold Mitchell, which, um, so I go over and, well, thinking I was going upstairs to cut this cake. They sent a chauffeur to come and pick me up. And I went and cut this birthday cake. He was on this Zoom meeting with all his friends and family. And that was surreal. <laughs> but during the day, the support from Harold Mitchell has been absolutely incredible. After meeting him and, you know, telling him my situation with what happened with Crown and etc. cetera, um, it's amazing. And to this day, I still... Still working pretty much like a private chef for him, which pretty much so. Yes. So that's um, that's how it started in the WhatsApp group. And then from that, I applied for a license to do a, a cake business from home. I think I applied that in April, and that's ongoing still. I'll hopefully get it approved next week. So, um, But the business is called Chic de Party. That name came about from when I used to work in London. My position in London was chef de party, which is a French term for a chef. Um, and that's how chic de party came about. Right. And how's it been going? Like, So you've got this support from Harold Mitchell, who if anyone um, has got the Good Weekend magazine from this previous weekend, there was a, a big profile about him. He's an entrepreneur, media buyer. Um, yeah, been a, a, a big figure in 
Australian media and society for for decades. So good person to stumble upon. Um, Indeed. But yeah, so spontaneous it, stumble. <laughs> has the business been going going well apart from um, apart from your association with Harold Mitchell? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, created an Instagram for that and, you know, joined a few um, community groups on Facebook through, I live in the CBD, so a few uh, South Bank communities and a POMS in Melbourne, obviously, I have to get on that one. And the support's just been absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, blown away by the support. It's been fantastic. And it's actually, you know, supported me during this because otherwise I, <laughs> I have no idea. And it wasn't the means to do this to start a business. It was more a means to do this to keep me from being depressed, you know, give me something to do, you know, from working 70 plus hour weeks to doing absolutely nothing. It really, like, <laughs> that was really hard. And it's not that I was just doing that for a few years. I've been doing that for 11 years now. So from going from all of that for the routine and, you know, the drive to service and, you know, delivering what we used to do to going to sitting on my sofa at home in a, you know, apartment thinking, my God, I've got all this time in the world, but I can't do anything. <laughs> that was hard. It's really tough. So, so Aiden, tell us about the good news that you received last week. Yeah, so obviously, um, just to mention about applying for the partner visa, that was in uh, late March. <clears throat> and it was approved last week, so I'm very, very, very happy about that. Such a relief, you know. When you apply for it, they tell you it's going to take up to two years. So I was definitely not expecting anything back till, you know, 2022. So, but that's all gone through and yeah, we couldn't be happier. Congratulations. Thank yeah. You. Just feels great. You know, all that hard work putting into that application and it paid off in such short notice too, you know. So I guess they're really fast tracking, really fast tracking those visas, you know, because a lot of people have left and they need, you know, they need skilled people now because the visa I had for dinner was still valid till 2022, but I didn't know if tomorrow it would be cancelled. So now I have this, you know, it's a lot more permanent and a lot more safeguarding for me and the future here for me. So it's great. But yeah, you find out through the, you just get an email saying, you know, I was at Kirk's Wine Bar actually when everything reopened and having a nice glass of wine lunch with my partner and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it just came through and like, oh, like goosebumps, you know, just so surreal. So random. Very random. Oh, but it, yeah, it's fantastic. Oh. Um, it's so crazy. Like, do you reckon that's what it is? Like, have you spoken to other people that are getting their partner visas through? And do you think it's because the Australian government's realised that telling people to go home wasn't the best idea? Oh, <clears throat> I'm not sure about, I'm not sure actually. Um. Well, I think just because so many people have left, they have to cancel whatever they've applied for if they have applied. So I guess I was just fast-tracked. That's my perspective anyway. Because, yeah, to get it what's, you know, within five or six months is amazing. From Because if you apply on the website, it tells you up to uh, 24 months, which is quite the wait. <laughs> but that was the wait I was ex expecting for. So when I got that, email I was like oh my goodness blown away so Aiden you've got your partner visa it's come through you're able you're unbound from your previous employer that means that you could go and get a job anywhere now uh is that what you're you've got work rights is that what you're going to do 
Um, not at the moment, I don't think. So as I was saying, I applied for the food license to carry on with Chic de Party, my little cake business, and that is just a home run business at the minute. Like the rest of Melbourne, most of us are all working at home, and you know, why can't chefs work at home as well? Um, I turned what was a, sp a spare bedroom into a pretty spectacular prep kitchen. Um, you know, decked it out with a new fridge and storage for you know. You know, I've worked in hospitality for a long time, you know. I know how I like it to be and, you know. Um, had my inspection a few weeks ago and that went really well. So I'm just waiting to make a payment to have the license. And now I can actually have that license because I have, you know, this visa. Maybe I couldn't have done on my previous visa, but, you know, there's no worth in not trying because, again, like I was saying, you know, I had nothing. I couldn't do anything. So it was just doing my best to do what I could to survive during this crazy few months well half the year well since February for me <laughs> yeah I mean you know you've had a super hard time but it's worth pointing out that you've you as you said you've you know you've got a partner here you've got family here you speak English it's um I mean it's I'm not diminishing what you've been going through, but you can also you can understand that for people who don't have that support and um and don't have English as a first language, it's just it's just another layer of of distress and 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 you know in many cases loneliness and just like greater feelings of abandonment and you know people that as you've meant as you said so eloquently it's like you're used to working super hard to have that stripped away it's really destabilizing along with all the other layers of instability exactly like you said with the layers you know first you know finding out that the restaurant is going to close then it closes with hardly any notice to pretty much being on the streets with no job you've got to you know, fight your way to find a job and beg for somebody to take on this visa that never happened. And then for COVID to strike, I was like, could it, you know, could this year get any worse? And, you know, you could either be, you know, depressed and do nothing about it, which, you know, I was probably like that for a few days, <laughs> driving my partner crazy, like, oh, you know, can't do this anymore. What should we do? Blah, blah, blah. And then you just have that day where, you know what, you know, I still love Melbourne. This is home. Got to fight for it. So... I guess that's what I did, you know, and never, never dreamed of what would happen now, you know, doing starting a little business and getting that visa approved so fastly. So, you know, there's definitely some good news to all of this uh, bad news. But I understand what you're saying about, you know, because obviously I have a lot of friends here as well that were in a situation where, you know, they were lonely, you know, you just got to reach out to whoever you can, ask how they are, you know. That's a big question this year. How are you? <laughs> you know, but you've got to ask it. It's important, you know, and hospitality is such a, you know, big community here. So it's really good to reach out to anybody that you know and support them. Yeah, absolutely. And your support during all this has been incredible. I can't actually remember how I found out about you, but, um, you know, started to join the emails and those, I think it was 57 emails in total, was it? That was incredible. Just to have that, just to have that weekly update of news and things that's going on, and you know, because that's what I was saying before. There's not a place where you can go and be like, "Oh, is there support? Like, what, what do I need to do next? What's happening?" You know, and for you to offer that was incredible. Not just for me, but for thousands of us here. 
Well, it's really ridiculous as as you say that, Aiden. Like, I'm really happy if anything that I've done has helped, but it's actually really stupid that I'm just a food writer who just thought, oh my god, these people, someone has to do something, and it's, it's like that is actually really stupid that you've been brought here because of your skills. An employer has paid thousands of dollars to have you here and then abandoned you. It is really just it's it only the fact that I did whatever I did only highlights the failings of the system. It's an absolute disgrace, and I'm really sorry that you were put in that position. I'm really glad that things have worked out for you, but it's just it makes me super mad to think that this is what you've gone through. And now when there are like countless restaurants in Melbourne that I'm sure would love your skills because of what you've you've gone through and the way you've come out the other side, you're like, nah, I'm not going back to restaurants. So re- Australian restaurants have lost you for now, maybe we'll get you back, but we've lost you for now because of the because of the journey that you were like shoved on, the road that you were shoved on unceremoniously has now meant that your skills are not available to our restaurants and that is yet another layer of um, just disappointment in this whole situation. Not that I don't wish you all the best in your business and everyone should buy your cakes, they're fantastic, uh, but I just... There's just so much wrong with this whole picture. There is, and hospitality is in a very difficult situation, and it's unfortunate. But, yeah, I think during this isolation, you really get time to reflect and think, you know, what do you actually want to do, you know? Do you want to go back to doing those hours? As much as I loved it, you know, but when you can actually work for yourself and I've, you know, got quite a big team of support from, you know, friends, family, and then all these new Chic de Party followers, so... Yeah, it's really humbling and I'm very proud of what I have turned out of what was a really terrible situation for me. But there's definitely positive things that outcame. But yes, no no more restaurants for me for a while, I don't think. It's good to just take the time to reflect and, you know, luckily enough I can work on this at the moment, so. Yeah. Well, let, let's... Let's finish with a little celebration of dessert and where you think things are at. Um, if we're thinking about, you know, what's what's hot in in cakes and desserts, um, what do you reckon? Yeah, what do you reckon is happening? Um, that's hard to say because I do know a lot of people that are doing the little businesses too. But restaurant wise, you know, I still always have my favourites. And as soon as we were allowed to go back, you know, trying to make those reservations to go and support those restaurants is, you know is the key to try and get all this back on track. Um, I have quite a few friends in hospitality. I'm good friends with um, Jason Jones of Entrecot. Um, so I try and support him, you know. It's amazing what he's doing with the picnic and, you know, at least everywhere is able to reopen now as well. And just the small places like Kirk's is one of my favourite places. That's where I was when I got the good news about the visa, so. Yes. But cakes. That will always be a special place for you. Yes. But what about if, um, yeah, what kind of, what types of cakes are people loving? What sort of, what kind of flavours where, you know, where do you think things are at? Well, the, the way I've tried to structure my little business at the moment, I was just taking requests to begin with, you know. Um, well, being a pastry chef for 11 years, I've pretty much, well, I've covered pretty much everything. Not that there's, there's always learn, always ways to learn and improve and, you know, new techniques, but I've just, you know, put what I've learned over the past few years into what I'm doing now and I kind of offer a, quite a wide range of uh, products from celebration cakes to tarts to macarons to Portuguese tarts. You know, not everybody 
wants to, well, not everybody has a celebration every week, so I try and offer her something that's re relatable for a picnic or for a walk, just a small box of Portuguese tarts or, so yeah, just trying to get out there and spread what I've learned and hopefully people are enjoying that. Mm. Fantastic. Well, now I just really want a Portuguese tart, so I'm going to have to sort that, <laughs> sort that situation out soon. Um, Aidan, um, thank you so much for coming along to have a chat to Dirty Linen during our staffing week. I'm very sorry you've been through the staffing ringer, but I really hope you have a, have a great summer as, that um, things start looking up for you or continue to look up for you as, um, as we go forward into summer. Thank you so much for having a chat today. Amazing. Thanks so much, Danny, for your time. Much appreciated. And um, if anybody out there that needs any support, then I'm on Instagram. <laughs> Message me. Yeah. Love to totally. meet anybody. Thank so. you. Thank you, Danny. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. <laughs>